Sten Morgan here. I hope you're doing well. I want to announce that we are launching the How to Be an Elite Advisor course. We are combining all of our best teachings and ideas into a course that you can complete in less than a week. I want to share with you the best ideas that I implement within my practice that have helped me achieve more than I ever thought possible. I want to share how I have unique meetings with clients. What's the mindset of an elite advisor? How do you prospect in a way that'll separate you from other advisors? At the Elite Advisor Network, we reject average. I want to help you see what your full potential is and reach it faster. Set time aside this week to take the course. Click on the link or go visit gobeelite.com. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, friend, this is Andy Traub, co-host of the Become an Elite Financial Advisor show with Stan Morgan. Thanks so much for listening and tuning in to another episode. Before we start, I want to let you know that we are sold out of our September event for How to Charge Live, but we are going to have another one in January of 2024 at our offices just south of Nashville, Tennessee. So if you're interested in that, uh, we've already sold about 20% of the tickets, but we'd love to have you come. So you can go to howtochargelive.com. That's howtochargelive.com. And get all your questions answered there. And if you have more questions, you can also set a time to meet with me one-on-one and I can answer any questions you still have. And with that, here's today's show. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Andy Traub. Uh, he just told a funny joke, so I'm still laughing. <laughs> um, today, we're going to talk about the idea of custom versus scalable. And I love this topic because there is a, a true business conversation here uh, of do you lose personal touch when you start to scale? Uh, at times, I think I run into advisors that, and, and I was one of these at one point, that it's like personable, coachable. I want to work with all types of clients. And that was almost a, an excuse for why they haven't grown a great business and they're still working hands-on on things they shouldn't. But as we continue to coach hundreds of advisors and we sit with them and start grinding on it, we realize that you're doing things you shouldn't do. And there is a path where you can still have a great client experience, but grow a great business too. Yeah. I, I think a, a great example of this is software and we'll get into that. But I have a feeling that we're going to touch on this topic today and then we're probably going to end up having 10 more episodes at some point in the next few years where we talk about this tension. Because I think that if you do a great job and you think about scalability from the beginning, that it removes a lot of the tension. Mm. That You can create a very personalized experience. Um, and I'll give a quick example of this. Every time I log into my Gmail account, I have a very, a 100% essentially, in my opinion, personalized experience that I go, no one's folders look like mine. Am I mm. the same colors and so it's it, but they've they've found a way to scale that, and I think what people want is they want because I think the heart of people who are listening to this or watching it is they want every one of their clients to feel special and cared for, mm-hmm. and like you're beyond your own children, you're giving me you know the next most precious thing, which is all of your money yeah. <laughs> right to control uh and, and and to protect, and that they want people to feel like they're not ironically just a number. And yet, how do you do that without giving everyone your cell phone number and pop in whatever you want? And right, how do you how do you scale that and build build bigger? So you know, creating a customized and scalable business, you have to strike a balance. And right. what we're going to say, I think, is that it can be done. Yeah, and I'll, let's dispel the myth now that if you grow a great advisory practice, that your clients suffer because it's just not true. And the reason I know it's not true, when I was in a bubble on an island as a young advisor, which none of us should be there because you don't create a reality that's more founded on your fears or limiting beliefs than what's true. As I started speaking more and coaching and being with more advisors, what happens is you meet advisors and you learn about their business 
and they have a 99.9% client satisfactory retention rate and their business is 10 times the size of mine, all of a sudden I've just, you know, you just remove that excuse. And so the more isolated you get, the more likely your excuses or limiting beliefs, beliefs have validity. But the more advisors I get around, the more often my limiting beliefs, fears get dispelled pretty quick. Yeah. So the goal is to build systems that can handle increased demand, that you're not adding capacity all the time out of panic or out of failure. You're not sort of duct taping things, mm-hmm. right? And uh, because ultimately that's that's not a long-term solution. You might be able to fix it for a while, but mm-hmm. it's not it's not a good long-term solution. And again, I think software does a great job of this. It's, you know, it's a very scalable, exciting business to be a part of. Um, where do you see advisors stand in their progression uh, through the you know the the growth as an advisor from that rookie stage to um, you know level five where they really sort of made it and they're in some some degree they're coasting but but where where do you see advisors start to think about and when can they start to think about scaling should, should a rookie advisor think about scaling. I think, and this is, I love when we go through the stages with advisors, is they self-identify rookies. Right. I'm speaking to you right now. I was I was you not that long ago. Uh, it's about survival. Mm-hmm. It's I'm learning hard things every day. Um, I'm doing joint work, which means I'm not getting all the cases I'm closing. <laughs> right. So all of it is like, can Yay! I survive? Cut in half. That's right. Enough. Or more sometimes. Right. Um, you need to establish some kind of consistent revenue stream. Develop good habits, get around other people. So, so today, if you're a rookie stage, say, "Great, I'm looking forward to what they're talking about." This should be your goal. If you are in that type of same semi-panic, anxiety, drive every day in year three to five, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. One to two to three, you're breaking out of that, getting to a place where it's like, "Oh, I have a brand, I have some scalability, I have knowledge." It's probably end of phase two into stage three. That you're actually saying, okay, I did not just create a really busy job for myself Mm -hmm. that I'm trying to survive and just pay my bills. I have some people, I have some technology, and I've now created some space in my day to breathe to where I can look at building a healthy business. So let's talk about some different elements of scaling. Uh, Personnel is one. Uh, Software is one. Sort of the, the, or or templates, uh, the idea that you've got um, things you can sort of pull off the shelf. So let's start with a team uh, when it comes to scaling. Uh, we, you know, with one of the growth of an advisor, we have a, a advisor sort of growth plan that we uh, help our, those are in our communities uh, implement. And, you know, the first box is really easy because you do everything. <laughs> That's right. right. There is literally one box and it's you and you do everything. And then generally people add some administrative support and then they may add a junior advisor or a uh Someone to help them with planning. Yep. Right. So when we think about scaling and personnel and maybe just move, we can go beyond just that first hire, but mm-hmm. how should people think about uh, how, with the impact of adding people to their team as it relates to scaling? It, it should certainly be a multiplier. And what I love about that growth path we have that we've created that we coach advisors on is how do you grow a healthy team? And there's not one way to do it, but a lot of times it's like, this makes a lot of sense yeah. to add these yeah. people in this order. Every time you add somebody, I found myself giving away 60% of the things I was doing. And so you create space. And then you say, well, I can fill that space with higher quality actions. And then you add a paraplanner. 
then maybe there's another advisor because you've created some type of reputation where more business is coming yeah. in than the senior advisor wants to take. So yeah. a lot of while building a healthy business, if you would have asked me when I was a, a rookie, who are you going to hire in four years? I, I wouldn't have had a clear answer. I could have learned from somebody, but as you build a healthy business, these things present themselves. Mm-hmm. Is that if you have not hired a team or that's intimidating to you, there's other steps you can take that will make the next decision that much easier because it's so obvious at that point. Mm. So as I hired my admin and I gave them 60% of the work I was doing, which was paperwork, setting appointments, all of a sudden I had this free time to go focus on prospecting more. And then I realized, man, I'm not prospecting enough because I'm prepping for a lot of meetings. Oh, well, what if I gave away 60% of my current work, which is meeting prep, uh, putting inputs into e-money, and that was deciphering the, next the obvious. Notes, deciphering the notes you took and you're like, what did I say there? And then technology comes in where you dictate them, which is right. brilliant. Um, today I did one to Nate and I put like a little funny note in there. I think I got it. That's good. <laughs> I was like, don't put that in there. Yeah, just making sure he's listening. And so so it is intimidating. It was intimidating for me because I'd never led a team, hadn't hired people before. And you know, to be good at anything, you have to be a beginner. Yeah. And so you have to have a good team. And again, the reason I know that is I've met advisors and every successful advisor that has a lifestyle I would want, yeah. that has the income I aspire to, that impacts the people at a level that I want to impact people at, all have a team. And so wherever you are in your business, if you're saying, Sten, I just want to stay where I am, here's a good business and life case on why I want to just do everything myself and be super stressed out and limit my growth, fine. Most likely advisors are saying, if I can work less, make more, and impact more people, what's that formula? And that formula always includes a team. Yeah. So we've got team, and then we have... We could say it's templates or just, I would say, you've, you've got, I like to use the word collateral sometimes. You've mm-hmm. got things in place that you're, you're, you're no longer surprised by options. It's just, I, I, I like the analogy of when you go buy a car, like what options do you want? And, and if, they, if one of the options is red leather, they're not like hoping you don't choose red leather. Like you choose <laughs> red leather and they're like, okay, we have it. That's like right. if someone comes and says, you know, I have three businesses, two are LLCs and one's a blah, blah, blah. You're like, okay, great. Like that, that you're not, not surprised by that. It's just, mm-hmm. yep, we'll just put those inputs in because we have the, we have the capacity and structure for that. And then outputs, outcomes will happen because we have a system for that. Mm-hmm. So how are the, the tools you use to be scalable? How are those best developed? Not how do people develop them, but how, are, how can you best develop scalable systems let me i just had a story pop into my head go i know you like stories i do um a good friend of mine's in construction he was telling me about a job he was just doing that was a big renovation took a long time is this person here today oh uh, yes oh i heard yes. some of them he talked a lot oh he's great man he's super excited yeah oh, yeah he loves i kind of wanted to come into the meeting i was like oh that's where to meet that guy i did not yeah okay, no wait. he's just yeah great guy and what happens is he was too nice in this mm. particular job he was telling me about because whatever the designer or the homeowner, he was always trying to uh, appease, do the right thing. And now he looks back after a year and a half and he's like, I have this long list of all the things I did wrong. That, you know, I, I told the designer, we can't do that on the door because this would happen. But I did it because I didn't want to upset everybody. Oh. And now the door is like peeling. Oh. And now they have to redo the door. And that's on him. And so what he was saying, which I appreciated, I said, man, good on you to, while frustrating to deal with all these people, he's like, I kept saying yes. And what that makes me think about advisors is a lot of times we're building something we Mm. think the client wants or is asking for. And then in turn, we either create something the client doesn't like because it's not Mm. a good system or we're trying to overserve people that don't fit. And I look at that and I've I've told my team recently, like we get to decide who we serve and how we serve them. So when I have somebody on my team and this happened 
few months ago, we had a, a complex business owner client want to work with us. And one yeah. of the pair planners on my team was like, I did not want them to say yes. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's talk about it. But to me, I was like, okay, that means that our system doesn't make sense. That for some reason, by getting, by Sten getting a yes from the business owner, one, one of the advisors on my team was like, oh no. Yeah. How much work that's going to take. Yeah, that's like a factory getting an order for a car, and they're like, oh, no. Like, they would never. Yeah, it sounds great. What's wrong, what's wrong with your ordering system mm-hmm. that that someone could order your product? Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, it's, it's I think the other, the heart of that is that yes, yeses can hurt you, and the other is yeses will hurt you unless mm-hmm. you decide the questions, right? Yep. You, you decide the parameters. I know that you're making, you know, adjustments all the time, and the advisors we talk to are, are making adjustments in their business often, because they want to make sure that it, it they don't want to build a prison for themselves, right? They want to scale well. And so they, can, can you give me an example maybe then of, of, of something on a practical level of mm-hmm. where someone would say, hey, here's what I'm looking for. And you go, we don't do it that way, but we do it this way. Yeah. And, and so that you can maintain the scalability of your business. I had a client come in, a business owner, heard about us from another business owner. But during our first meeting, 30 minutes in, I was getting the sense that like it really feels like your whole goal right now in business is to raise money. Yeah. And our conversation started drifting. They're like, well, oh, you know other business owners. And I was like, there's a chance this engagement could turn into where they think I'm going to introduce them to people to raise money. Mm. And years ago, Sten might have been like, hey, great. Like, let's focus on this. And at the end of the day, the client wouldn't have given me the attention they, I needed to accomplish my things. But now I was able to peek up and said, is this the thing you want to focus on? It sounds like for your business for the next six months, all you really need is money. Is that right? Yeah. We could do these other things, but is that really important to you? Yeah. And I said, we're just not a good fit for that. Yeah. In the past, I probably would have said, like, where can I fit in here and try to force it? Yeah. But there's also been other times where clients have asked me for two and a half hour meetings, and I said yes, and that was a disaster that we have to be confident enough. Like, who do we serve well? Here's the way we do it. Are you okay with that? And part of our proposal now that we're updating is a mutual commitment page. Hmm. And on that page, it says, you commit to give us what we need in a reasonable period of time. Because if we're agreeing to a six-month engagement, but it turns into a 12-month because we can never get with you, we're not going to do that. But earlier on, it was, hey, Sten, can, come work with my team. What do you need? We're here to help. And yeah. I, my te- I was getting my team in trouble, and they were getting frustrated. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, no, I need to protect my team, too. But it is possible. I think we can give this great experience that's unique. We can do it in a specific period of time. We can be really direct with them because people respect that and it helps them yeah. get things done. That I have to remind people on my team, like, we're also in charge. This is our company. Yeah. That even if we start with a client, this has happened multiple times, and four months down the road, they're a headache. They keep changing stuff on us. They're not getting us the things we need. There's no rule book that says we can't go to them and give them their money back or just say, this we're just not a good fit. Yeah. As opposed to trying to fight to make them happy for the next eight months and just be wore out with one client yeah. instead of serving five other ones. Yeah. So as you listen to this, I want you to think about your practice and say, what are the things we've built? Because we, somewhere in the industry, we thought it had to be this way, or a client has maybe asked for it, and now we've built a practice to serve people that really don't know what they're doing, don't run our business every day, yeah. and we've created frustrations for ourselves or our team. And that's stuff you can stop doing tomorrow. I was having a conversation with one of the members of our network, and their frustration is they said, I always feel behind. Mm-hmm. I just always feel behind. Like every day I wake up and I feel behind. And my question back to them is whenever I get questions from members, just a quick, you know, inside tip here. If you ever ask me a question, you're probably going to get a question back. Nice. Just to clarify, yeah. like, am I really hearing you right? Instead of just fix, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And and I said, well, are, 
are you really behind or do you feel behind? Like, what are the things that indicate that you are actually behind? I was talking to another member who was saying, you know, I, I just don't feel like I'm really serving my clients that well. And I said, when's the last time you asked for client feedback? Like six months ago, we did a big survey. Okay, how many responses did you get back? 60. It's a pretty good sample. Mm-hmm. How many gave you negative feedback? One. <laughs> nice. Okay. I'm not a math major per se, uh-huh. uh, but I'm pretty sure that's not a high percentage. Like, was there was there concern legitimate? He goes, maybe. I go, okay, so like that's like a half or half of one then, mm-hmm. right? And so you, first, don't be guided by feelings, yep. but understand that if you're going to scale, that you're going to have to say yes and you're going to have to say no. And when mm-hmm. you say no, say no for a specific reason. Like that's if right. they say, can we meet for two and a half hours? You could say, mm-hmm. you know what I found. And so when this when you know, when people ask me questions about. Uh, you know, they're, they're too busy. They said, I, I feel like I'm too busy. And I said, you know, are you, are you too busy because you're getting a lot of complaints? Are you too busy because you just run out of work to do every day? Are you too busy because you're working on the wrong things? Mm-hmm. Are you too busy because you're unwilling to hire someone mm-hmm. to take away the things you shouldn't be doing? Yep. Right? These are all different different variables. So when it comes to scalability for you and you're thinking about, I want to grow, I want to grow, is there at some point where you say, I don't want to grow? Think about all the advisors I've interacted with. There's some that it's it's growth at all costs, and an advisor turns into a leader that turns into more of an administrator where they're kind of hiring leaders to hire more people. You turn into kind of more of a firm at that point. Yeah. The people I've talked to that lead firms, unless they've completely even hired to replace themselves as, as on the day-to-day level, is they're dealing with angry advisors and fires all day long. And for me personally, I don't want that job. Yeah. Um, so what legacy will become is a you know dynamic team. Maybe we get to fifteen people at some point uh, where there's multiple advisors served by a really impressive planning team with a great investment internal investment team. Like there, I, I, I foresee that size. And what's amazing though is if you add one more person, you have a good scale. You could grow by forty percent. Yeah, because these systems, it's all it then becomes more about we have a great investment process, we have a great planning team. Yeah. Now it's how can we keep the client experience top notch, which a lot of times comes down to communication. Yeah, and so there is a, there's a point where you may be listening, say my my firm generates you know four hundred thousand dollars a year and it feels really busy. You're two hires away from being a two million dollar firm. Yeah, we could add one more person on my team. We could double. And so there are these these parts of do you have good technology and are you really focused on doing the things that really matter? Yeah. And what we're in the process of doing now is introducing some software that we're building. Um, and some internal processes they're going to take us to the next level. Yeah, We use all external technology, good CRM, different things, and we've kind of dialed it in. At some point, it's going to say, okay, how do we just increase the client experience? Yeah, And that could look like somebody that just comes in and only thinks about that. Every time you hire somebody, it should be a 5 to 10x to your profit. Yeah. I know, um, who's the business made simple? Don Miller. Don Miller. He says every person should 5x their salary. Sure. Yeah. And I appreciate yeah. when he coaches uh, team members to think that way. Like, am I truly adding a lot of value or am I just breaking even from the company standpoint? And so hiring can be scary. Yes, you have to delegate and train. But if you do it well, there's a huge upside. And, and there should be a very, in my opinion, feel free to disagree. I, I think that should be a very clear path. And I think like I want to understand, and I believe I do, how I can add 5 to 10x to this company. Mm-hmm. Right? I think you should think that way. I think... I mean, I, you know, there's very few positions, unless it's a purely administrative 
Um, but even then, maybe they can find software automations or whatever. But most people that are listening to this and the people you're going to hire, they sh- it should be very clear how someone you know is going to five x the what uh, what they quote unquote cost the company. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think that that's an unreasonable not at all expectation for someone to think about um, as they as they scale. We spend a lot of time in our coaching community with advisors. It's if you are in our coaching community, the Elite Advisor Network, you will have a clear path to grow. Mm-hmm. You will have an idea who your next hire is going to be. Yeah, we will challenge you and say, "What are the things you're working on?" And we will not let you work on things you shouldn't. If you're listening to this, you're probably not strongly disagreeing with the things we're saying. I don't think we've said anything yet that's really controversial. The question then becomes like, why do some implement it and others don't? Yeah, and a lot of times that's accountability, encouragement. Uh, the best advisors I know have multiple coaches. Yeah. Like, like there's these things we know to be true about the best, the elite. Now the goal is for, you know, the majority of advisors to say, okay, what are those things, even though it freaks me out, even though I don't see myself as that yet, what can I start, what steps can I take tomorrow to move into that that group? I want to encourage you as well, those who are listening or, or watching on YouTube, um, that the the idea, and I think I want to go back to something you said at the beginning, Stan, about uh, now that when you see other advisors do it, you go, wait, that is totally possible. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, um, as of today, India landed on the moon like last week. Mm-hmm. Russia tried and failed. My point is like, why is anyone trying that? Because we know it's possible because someone has done it before, mm-hmm. right? And it's sort of like, well, that seems crazy until it happens. Right. And then you go, oh, we just have to sort of learn from that and then, you know, hopefully do better. Yeah. It's so the, the four minute mile story is great. Oh yeah, that, like no one ever did it, and then someone does it, and then a bunch of people do yeah. it. And if like there's no better definition of head trash limiting beliefs being really the only factor. Yeah. yeah. And so I love when I get around advisors and they do stuff that make me uncomfortable. Like I didn't even think about that. I heard okay, a story you know too about um, that people used to not be able to finish a marathon. Was that twenty six point two or whatever? And then like like it was literally a race that people didn't finish. <laughs> and now it's like how many marathons do you do? And I'm an ultra marathon. It's like. It's just amazing what happens when you realize and believe it's it's actually possible. Um, here, here's another thing I want to encourage you with, whether you're listening or watching, is that um, you can also really scale by just getting the right amount of mindset change, and then that will lead to um, financial change. I think of some people that came to one of our events, and they, you know, one person on their team of five represented eighty percent of the work. Like that's flipped. It shouldn't, they should be, you know, 20%. Yep. And yet they were 80%. I was talking with someone today and I want to, you, you don't know about this. So that's why I can ask you and, it, and it's pure. Someone, this person I was talking to, they were doing planning. They had a, a person who is in sort of charge of building out their plans. They had an admin. They were making enough that they were planning on adding a junior advisor to take smaller plans. And then they were looking the next hire to have someone underneath their head of planning to help them continue to build plans. And this person was, you know, still one administrator and they were like, but they had done 84 grand in planning up to today, mm-hmm. uh, as of today. How many plans do you think they did to to substantiate that $84,000 in planning fees? 30. 60. Jeez. So their average, I was super excited when they said 84. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, and we did 60. I'm like, did you do 84 or 60? And they're like, no, I did 84, but I did 60 plans. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I mean, the went like my stomach kind of hurt. I was yeah, like, man, a lot of work. So I, I said, you know, so I said, let me plug this. In. The average is thirteen hundred eighty-three dollars and thirty-three. That's what the average was. Yep. And I said to him, I was like, listen, even if you can 
do 60, mm-hmm. um, man, like y- if you double your prices, mm-hmm. uh, in his case, probably triple his prices. And this, this is the group f- I'm thinking about. They did a plan recently that was half of what they did before in a year yeah. with one client. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this gentleman I was talking to today, he's out in New York. Um, he was just saying, you know, I was like, man, if you double your prices and you go down 30% of yeses, you still make more. That's right. And you, and, you, and you have to work with less clients, which would be better, right? And so, again, scaling is just getting that pricing dialed in. He's only giving one price versus the two, yep. right? So there's things you can do to scale. And scaling is just a series of small tweaks, right, mm-hmm. that you would make. So if someone is feeling like, yeah, I want to scale, I want to grow, do you think that they should focus on technology first, mm-hmm. personnel, like, for those, as we wrap it up, like those yeah. who are listening, they say, yeah, you know what? I, I, I do feel this tension. What are some things they can do to start to deal with the tension? I think to our kind of our three stages of growth we teach on where it's awareness, understanding, belief. I think the, what we try to dispel today is like, can you do both? Can you have a customized, great client experience and a scalable business where you are not in charge of everything? And the answer is yes. Understanding says, okay, well, what does it look like? And we have that path we coach advisors on. But get around some other people that have a scalable business because I've at times seen people that have people on their team but not a great business. And so just going and hiring people isn't the solution. Um, or buying a bunch of tech, and I've met advisors like this, they spend so much time on like their manual. I've seen like 100-page manuals of all their systems, and I'm like, but you're not making money. And so for me, it, it feels like a mindset issue first. Yeah. Why aren't you trying to scale? What's the hang-up? Is it limiting beliefs? Do you Boy, not think there's enough clients out there? That's interesting. I would try to get to the root, and we do this in our coaching program, like, why are you? Where, why is your business where it is? Yeah, and we'll even ask him before we coach him on it. What is your path forward? What's your yeah. plan? That's and what usually I asked their plans are I not said, great. What's going to look at? Uh, what do you want your business to look like in February mm-hmm. versus it is today? Yeah. And I really wanted to hear. You know, my I'm, I'm I'm charging a fee that's three times as much because I've shown them it's worth it. Yep. And we what we figured out through the call was he wasn't charging more because he just was being lousy at quantifying. Yeah, he didn't the value, the value. They didn't understand it. Right, right. And so for us, we would, if you, you know, the advisors in our, our coaching community, the, a coach is amazing, whether, you know, I've had great, good sports coaches, I've had bad ones too, where they can just ask questions that kind of pull you out of the minutia yeah. and the busyness. And, you know, for our advisors, even a quarterly coaching session, we're like, what are you working on? Why are you working on it? Is enough to just course correct you? Yeah. So you need accountability. You need to be advise, around advisors that are better than you whether it's a bigger business, better leadership, whatever their skill set is that's different than yours. And you're going to need people. You're going to need technology. But to me, those are things that become way easier once you have clarity on what is your practice going to look like? Why are you delivering that kind of value? Do you really think you need to do that much for a client? Yeah. And we get with client advisors and we right-size their practice and help them cut a bunch of stuff off. All of a sudden, they're like, wait, I'm making the same amount of money doing half the work because right. clients never asked me to do it. I was just filling my space. Right. And now with this uncomfortable extra time I've created, we're going to help you fill it with really good things. Yeah. And all that comes down to like, I have clarity of where I'm going and there's somebody there kind of next to me saying, hey, don't fall back into that. Don't fall back into that. Because the more you do this, the good news is this will become your baseline now. You will think differently moving forward on all decisions, but we have to break you out of that old mindset. Right. And so thinking about, again, we want to be sensitive to some of you who are just in survival mode, and, and that's that's fine. Continue to survive and, and grow and get better. But there are those of you who are frustrated because you're doing the same actions and expecting a different result. And what you need to do is you need to start to think about scaling. Yep. And so that can be people. It can be technology. But if you're going to do that, you have to know what are you trying to scale to, right? right. Like what are, you, what are you trying to become 
and then you build a path to that. And that's where, you know, we want to help through this show. We want to help through our products and through our coaching. Uh, and I do want to remind you, uh, we've had actually quite a few people lately. It's been really uh, encouraging uh, as our network has been growing. Um, if you are interested in our coaching program, just go to eadvisornetwork.com and there'll be a place on there for join EAN and you can click on there and learn more about it. Um, and uh, we'd love to have a conversation with you about being a part of our network. I want to talk to one more group before we wrap it up. I think there's the group, you know, you're a rookie and you're like, Stan, Andy, I want to think about that stuff and I'm not there yet. Great. Have it somewhere on your radar. And as you, soon as you get there, just don't let it go too long. There's another group of advisors that are just comfortable. And there's a lot of them that are, Stan, I'm making enough money. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And eventually this is just going to organically grow. Um, I get frustrated with that segment. Um, if you have more potential that's unlocked, and we've met both of these advisors at some of our live events, even our coaching community, where there's an advisor that's coming at 55 years old to our event to learn something new yeah, and serve more clients, serve them better, and they're thinking about the future of their practice, whether it's with other advisors. And then there's the advisors that are like, I'm good. Like, I intend for the next 15 or 20 years to just coast. That that does something to me that you have more to give that potentially if there, if there's a better way for your practice to scale and not need you, you have more impact that you can make. It just may not be in your practice anymore. That I've met advisors like, I just work myself out of a job. Mm. That they don't need me as much anymore. But now I get to go volunteer over here. I get to go uh, advise businesses uh, at the uh, Entrepreneur Jumpstart Program. Like there's more there. And so if, if you're thinking, Sten, I'm bored with my practice, I've been doing the same thing for a long time. Right. I'm really comfortable. Why would I do something different? Like, like sit in those thoughts too, because there's a, there's a good chance you have more to give. If you are not just measuring it by, I have comfortable income and that's really all I want to accomplish. Yeah. I love the language you use there. Uh, and it's the difference between achievement and potential. You may have achieved a lot, yeah. but that that is not your potential. Yeah. Right. And, and I think when people are feeling bored, or like, there also could be just some guilt of like, I know I, I know I can do more than this. Then it's that's your potential saying, hey, there's more here to be had, and 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 the only way you get to that is by becoming uncomfortable and, and growing. Yeah, and sometimes us advisors are like I've just managed money the same way for 15 or 20 years, or I've sold insurance for annuities for a long time, and they come to us and they realize like well, there's there's a way for me to get paid for my time and ideas, because I've been in this business for so long, I'm valuable. Like I'm I'm more than just the product I've been selling. And that system's worked. I've made enough money. But for, for some of those advisors, their opportunity to reinvent themselves and get more excited about the business yeah. is, you know, when they've learned about planning, consulting. But for you, it may be something totally different. For you, you may say, my next step is I'm going to hire people and I'm going to train next advisors. Because that that is a give back. Plus, it's a win for me. Plus, yeah. it's a future succession plan. So, like, you may be at a point where you're needing to solve higher quality problems. Mm-hmm. And that's important. And that requires coaching. Like, like. Just because you have a good practice and you're making good income does not mean that you're done. Absolutely. Uh, thanks, Dan. 